Tyson Bryden. Welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk. I'm your host, Tyson Bryden. On today's episode, I'm happy to welcome back guitarist for both House of Lords and Autograph, Jimmy Bell. Tyson, how are you, my friend? Good, Good man. How are back. you? Thanks yeah, for wonderful. coming back. I think oh, yeah. Well, we had a great interview last time. I was I jumped at the chance to come back again. It was it, awesome. It was awesome. We talked a lot of guitar last time, I think. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah. We, we, we actually hit on a lot of stuff, but it was a great interview. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So yeah. hopefully this one will be as much fun, if not more. <laughs> Absolutely. You right. make it fun, so that's all that matters. You Perfect. Know? <laughs> Thank you. Now, uh, House of Lords has recently released yet another album entitled Saints and Sinners. Ninth one. Ninth, Ninth studio one. record I've done since them with that, them. That's crazy, man. Yeah, been with them since, uh, uh, well, James Compton contacted me in 2005 and uh 2006 we had the first uh first record out world upside down and uh that record really did well i mean it really did well like uh you know the ratings on it were fantastic and i think that's what started uh such a good working relationship between uh frontiers and house of lords and then i got to be very friendly uh, with Frontiers on my own as well. So I built a very good, you know, working relationship with those guys. I love them. Serafino, Mario, always the whole family there just treats me great. So I, I really love being a part of that label. I, I mean, I love the fact that they just put out great music all the time. They're always, always. You, know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, in the vein of, you know, uh, the hard rock era and heavy metal and all that, which, which I love. Yeah, they're, 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 that's the label, you know. If you're gonna, if you're playing that type stuff, uh, you know that's that's the label to be on. But you know, besides that, they're just wonderful people. I mean, honestly, Serafino, I've met him several times. Um, you know, at festivals that we played, and he's you know he's fantastic. And Mario, uh, you know, the, these are guys that I, you know, they know I'm on the East Coast. So when there's when there's a uh, something they want to talk about, I'm getting text messages uh, or emails at 4 a.m. because I'm over here, you know, <laughs> and they're over in Italy because they know I'm the first one up. You know, Simon and Mark, uh, from, you know, an autograph they're in, in California, so they're they're even another three hours right. that way. You know, so if they need something, they get in touch with me, and I'm you know I I'm a real early riser, so I'm. I'm up at, you know, usually 3.30, getting out and doing my eight-mile walk by 3.30, 4 o'clock every right. morning. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm always answering them at that time in the morning, you know. <laughs> well, I knew when I emailed you at 7 in the morning last week that I would most likely get a quick response because I knew that Oh yeah. That you were usually up, so. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not your typical musician. Uh, no matter, actually, no matter what time I go to bed, I just, my, you know, my mind is going at, uh, it shuts off for a little bit, but then uh, I wake up and I go, oh, okay, what do I got? You know, I got to write this song. I got to do this. I got to do, you know, things start twirling. So I, I'm i I'm a walking freak. Uh, so every every morning, yeah, I, I, every morning I get up and I do eight miles right off the bat every morning. Good and then I you. do, I, I, yeah, and then another uh, six miles in the afternoon usually. Wow. That's intense. Yeah, so I try to get Good I try to you. get twelve to fourteen miles every day. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, now getting back to Frontiers, um, talking about them, 
uh, I'm all. I've, there's been times where I've kind of been skeptical about these the super groups that you know, like they they put guys together and and they come out and sometimes I'm like, I don't know what this is going to be like. But the last two that I bought, which was iconic, with um, Joel Hoekstra and um, my buddy, yeah, and Michael Sweet and uh, the singer from Inglorious. That album's yeah. amazing. And then that, uh, what's the other one? With Robert Sweet and Perry Richardson, uh, Clean Break. Yeah. With James Durbin. They're fantastic albums, both of them. Yeah, Black Swan with Red Beach is really oh, good, Oh, that too. one's amazing. Well, well, uh, well you'll, you'll have another one because, as I was talking about before I went on, before we went on to the air, uh, before you started you know, recording, is uh, I'm in one of those projects. That's awesome. That's so cool. uh, we will, uh, you know, more more to come on that, but uh, cool. it's it's going to be pretty interesting. So you'll you're going to be kind of taken by the people that are involved with it. You're going to go, oh my god, I can't believe this. You know, it's going to be kind of it's kind of cool. It's kind of fun when you think about it, right? Because if you had thought back in the day that you know that someone would be like, hey, you know what, we should put this guy with this guy, and and it wouldn't, it probably wouldn't happen because they had their other bands right their band that they were in but now they're able you're able to do that kind of thing right well the thing is you know times have changed so much if if you if you really look back in your uh in the history of of a lot of bands usually like when a band was a band you know members only played with that band yeah you know you didn't very you very rarely ever saw like uh, this guy going to play with this guy or this guy, you know, one of these things, you know, you were in that band and that was the only band you played with. And that's what you were recognized for nowadays. You know, everybody's, you know, lending themselves out to, you know, to, you know, you mentioned Michael sweet, you know, he's a good buddy of mine. He's, he's all over the place. Oh, with he George is, yeah. Lynn. I mean, he's, he's got tons of projects. Joel Holster. You just talked about Joel. I mean, he's in, he's got his hands and everything. He doesn't, he doesn't ever stop working, Joel. He's just on the road, nonstop. Yeah. You know, and I loved his ho Hoaxers Thirteen, the last album that he did. It was fantastic. Yeah, I just saw him. Uh, uh, I was just hanging out with him the other night. Um, he's he was out um, doing an acoustic thing with Brandon Gibbs, and yeah. uh, and it's so good. It, it, uh, I'm sorry, I actually only got to see one show of it because he happened to come. To uh, Connecticut, uh, and it was fantastic. And uh, I had never met Brandon before till till afterwards. But um, Joel said, "I I, um, I just couldn't believe this because they were on the you know stage. It was a very intimate crowd, you know, that we were there, and and they just started talking about me because uh, I he, Joel saw me, and he they said the most wonderful kindest things and." I was just like, wow, this is so cool that this this gentleman is, you know, you know, saying this. It wasn't it wasn't it was more than just it wasn't just say, oh, here's Jimmy. So, you know, Jimmy Bell's there, a good guitar player. I mean, they went on, you really? know, and, uh, you know, it was it. Yeah, it was it was really, really sweet of him. And, uh, you know, um, oh, so much respect for that guy. You know, honestly, I got to tell you, Joel, to me, uh even though he has his hands in a lot of different things, you know, with night, you know, started with Night Ranger, Ranger you know, Night Rock Night. of Ages, you know, Trans-Siberian, everything. Joel's really one of the best guitar players out there. It, that guy, does, does, he's got 
an incredible versatility in his playing. So it's, you know, I dig it. I mean, Great yeah, guy. I mean, that Hoekstra 13 album, there's a lot of different styles kind of on it. You know what I mean? There's stuff that does sound like White Snake, and then there's stuff that's totally different than that. Yeah, he's got some really good. I'm into country chops. Like, I'm, I'm, uh, I like chicken picking a lot yeah, when, I because uh, I, I, there was, yeah, there was a point when I was, uh, uh, before I started playing heavy, you know, got back into the touring thing and, uh, there was a point there in the nineties that I, I had no intentions of playing rock anymore. So I had a Telecaster and I was, uh, really getting into a lot of, uh, chicken picking and flat picking on the telly. And, uh, Love it. so I, I still, to this day, uh, apply that into my playing, but Joel does a lot of that. Like this, the whole thing is that he just did on acoustic. He did a solo on acoustic. I was going like, Jesus, man. <laughs> <laughs> Right after he does the solo, he says all these great things about me. And I'm going, I got your whole solo right here on video, so I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> and I mean, Andy plays with Rob Beats and Whitesnake. Like, those two together is insane. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they trade off incredible. And they complement each other so well because their styles. I mean, Joel does, you know, tapping and Reb does a lot of tapping, but it's different. Different, yeah. So their, their styles uh, don't walk over each other whatsoever. Yeah, totally. And I mean, you mentioned Black Swan and what Reb did on those two Black Swan albums. It's, I mean, the whole, that band's incredible too. Like, so yeah. I'm, and I'm glad, like, getting back to Frontiers again, I am just glad that they're bringing this stuff out because there's been, they're putting out so much great music. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's, like, really smart of them that they, you know, kind of sat down. They probably sat at some table. What can we do uh, yeah. to make uh, to make something really cool here? Oh, we'll take a guy from here, you know, and they put this together. It's it's worked out really well for them. Well, I mean, you, you put know? you put Jeff Pilson with Robin McCauley and Reb Beach, like, and then Matt Starr on drums. I mean, that's I mean that's a good formula. Yeah, right. Sure is. Yeah. Matt, my buddy Matt. He's from Connecticut here. Oh, is he? Yeah, originally. Yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. um? Speaking of which, Connecticut, was there any effects from that hurricane? Or are you guys no, too, no, far no, too far no, inland? Too far inland? No, no, we're, we're uh, that was, you know, further down. Uh, that was down south, Florida and, uh, and the Carolinas and, you know, a little bit of Georgia. We we really didn't get where, where Connecticut is. It didn't really uh, get anything. Because we I know the other one was that Fiona got hit. Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, up in Canada. So I was just wondering yeah. if it had. So I missed you, obviously, which is good. Really, really sad. A lot, a lot of damage. A lot, a lot of damage when you see it oh, uh, crazy, on TV. The aerial, the aerial um, cams that they took uh, uh, of the of the you know the uh, devastation that was down there was just like, oh my god! You, you wonder how people are gonna. I know. Recoup. Yeah. recover from something like this but they always do i think you know you know people i think realize when they live down in those areas that they're you know if you're living on the gulf of mexico someplace you're you're already going to say well we're going to get a hurricane you know you don't go there and say everything's going to be fine <laughs> you, know, you, you exactly. gotta go there and expect the, i mean know? they i mean i've been to florida and and you see the things that they put on their house on the windows to being prepared for when the hurricanes come right yeah crazy yeah yeah it is so getting back to the house of lords um i mean <laughs> as, as always the music fits right into the vein of house of lords i mean it sounds like house yeah. of lords um tell me a little bit the, about 
the process of putting together the, this album. I mean, is there a? I mean, James Christian probably has. He's like, okay, we need this. We have to sound like House of Lords. Is there a when you're putting together the albums? Is it, is there a discussion about it? Yeah, well, I, there was only at the first couple albums because. Um, you know, well, I, I don't know if I told you the last time. Um, you may have. <laughs> when, James, when James first came to me, you know, it was pretty funny. Um, he contacted me because he was from Connecticut originally right. himself. Yeah. And um, he calls me up. He says, Jimmy, I'm, I'm putting House of Lords back together. Um, I'd like you to play with us. Um, we have a new, you know, we got we're, we have a record deal with Frontiers and uh, I just got to know, have you ever written a melodic rock song before? And I didn't even know really what a melodic rock song was, but I just said yes. <laughs> so I, <laughs> That's I said, the right Absolutely. answer. Absolutely. That's you the know, right I answer. I just wanted the gig. That's I right. didn't care. Yeah. You know, but it just so happens I, uh, I was able to do that. Um, the, the thing I, I learned so much from uh, from writing uh, and the direction from James on the first record. Like, I, here's what I did. Like, I would even if I gave James a real heavy riff, um, like, for example, a couple of them that come into mind from the first album, Rock Bottom, I'm Free, These Are the Times, those three songs, those are very heavy guitar riffs. But by the time James adds keyboards and then and then he uh layered his vocal harmonies it's it's everything that he did brings it into the realm of the house of lords song so you know you give that same song the these same tracks that i wrote you give them to another singer they're going to come out totally different but because i gave them to james it's it's his thing he knows how to create the house of lords sound and, uh, you know, uh, he did all the keys himself because he knows how to play keys. He plays bass great, plays guitar. I mean, he does everything. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, I understand there is vinyl, vinyl of this album. Um, it's funny. The new one? Yes. Are we talking about the new one? The new okay. one. Yeah. Did you manage to get a copy by any chance? I did. He sent me one. That's awesome. The blue looks yeah, great. Yeah, he, he, did, he did send me. I, I heard the vinyl was sold out already. Um, but he did send me one, you know, the blue record and it looks great. Yeah. I think it's right. You know, what's weird though. I didn't know the last three records were on vinyl too. Uh, uh, saints of the lost soul and a uh, new world and new eyes. I, I had no idea they were on vinyl. Somebody posted pictures of it. I'm going, Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I was going to ask if the other, if there was others on vinyl, cause I wasn't aware, but it was funny. I went on the European, uh, frontier site today. Yeah. So the album, I guess there is still available because it was twenty seven ninety nine euros. Well, the cra- oh okay, good. The crazy thing was that the shipping was thirty nine ninety nine. Of course. And, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Well, I mean, it's the times, right? And I was like, "That comes to sixty seven euros." <laughs> and yeah. Then, and then you put that into Canadian dollars, where I am, and you're probably looking at a hundred dollars. I was like, "Well, I bought the CD. I would love to have that vinyl, but I'm like." I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But it'd be cheaper to take a plane ticket. A plane I know, right? <laughs> it's like, what happened here? Why is the shipping costing more than the actual product now? That's crazy. Yeah. 
And I know, yeah, I and I guarantee it's not them. It's the the postal or whatever. Oh well, no, it, you know, David. Uh, when Mario was telling me so much, um, uh, he really got into details one time about how things were, you know, delayed and the costs and everything. Like uh, COVID, really did a number yeah. on on everything, right down to getting records made and cds and every everything got really extremely difficult uh so that set everything back like it did the whole world covid set the whole world back but yeah. you don't think sometimes of other things like you know cds or records you know uh that that's that's a company there's a company that makes that you know so they suffered we suffer yeah you know? everybody suffers right in the indirectly in some way i mean when you go yeah in this case for instance i mean i still might buy it i'm gonna keep checking back on it because it, it does look really cool and i'm sure it sounds fantastic well i mean you do have a radio show and uh talk i mean a talk show and everything you know maybe you could say hey <laughs> well that is true that's a good point <laughs> yeah you maybe i'll say hey you know I, I have jimmy on i have uh I've done. I've had Jimmy on the on the radio on the show twice so far. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. I may I may use. I usually don't do that, but you, you never know. Oh, I give you permission. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. They might laugh at you. There's no guarantees. They might laugh no, at you. No, I know exactly. Say, so what? <laughs> so what? Um, now, let's kind of dive into the album a little bit. Um, sure. I, first track I'm going to ask about is "Mistress of the Dark." Um, for those that don't know, you also play in a deep purple tribute entitled Beyond Purple. You also yeah. do White Snake and that. Do you guys do Rainbow too? Yeah, uh, Beyond Purple is a is uh, was a concept I came up with. Uh, it's it's uh, a dedication to the Deep Purple family tree. Yeah. So uh, when we went into this, uh, you know, I have I have some really good friends that that are great musicians here. My, uh, my buddy Mike Gill, great singer and he's able to sing everything and we were talking about doing we were just going to do a cover band in between tour you know but yeah. and then we started name so we started naming off some songs we're going like so we happened to uh, uh, a rainbow song came uh, came up and then uh, and then someone said oh i like this deep purple song and then uh, you know white snake of course because all the girls love white snake yeah and so we had it and that so my all of a sudden <laughs> my wheels are spinning i'm going Gee, you know, all, all of these things that we're talking about here all branched off of Deep Purple. I said, can you imagine if we did a band where we call it Beyond Purple and, it, and it's absolutely just, you know, the whole family tree, you know. Uh, That's so but cool. you got to you, you gotta really look at it. You know, you, it start, you know, started with Rod Evans and Nikki Simper, you know, right. on the first. And then, you know, then uh, Ian and Roger come in and. Um, you know, and then that lasts a little while, and then you know, uh, and David and Glenn. Yeah. But then you know, you got to look at like this: if you're do doing the Deep Purple Family Tree, okay. So um, Richie leaves, forms Rainbow. Ronnie Dio, uh, yeah. Joe Lynn Turner, Graham Bonnet. You know, uh, you you have uh, all these singers, and then Ronnie Dio even goes plays with Black Sabbath. Ian Gillen goes plays with Black Sabbath for Born and Again. Gillen so. has Gillen as well. Yeah, and he had Gillen. Uh, Graham Bonnet goes to play with Alcatraz, you know. Right. So, you know, it, your mind could go crazy where if you went and looked at a Glenn Hughes, he had the Hughes Thrall Project. I mean, all these different. Um, Would you do trapeze uh, too? Would you put trapeze? Yeah, in yeah, you could have done trapeze. You could go, you could go all over the place with this thing. 
Um, so, uh, what we did was we the, the whole concept. Just you know, I know we were talking about, but the whole concept okay. of this band good. was uh, wanted to play songs that everybody knew. Now, I didn't want to get there's a lot of cuts from Rainbow that I absolutely love, like Gates of Babylon and all yeah. these other things, where it's more the heavier and guitar more orientated stuff. But I said, guys, that this if we do these songs, these are just going to uh, appeal to maybe one or two guitar guys out in the audience or some heavy metal dude going like this in front of us, you know? Yeah. Uh, I said, I want to play songs that people recognize right off the bat, the more popular of the songs. So, you know, Deep Purple, or, you know, well, you know, Highway Star, Hush, Knocking Out Your Back Door, Burn, Woman from Tokyo, things like that. I, everything that, that, that's recognizable from them. And then, you know, and then we go into more of the, uh, 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 we do like uh, Silver Mountain, uh, Long Live Rock Long and Roll from Rainbow. Roll. But then yeah. you know we do a lot of the Joe Lynn because oh and, and Grant Stone Cold. since you've been gone you know and do you uh, do Stone Cold Surrender oh yeah Stone Cold oh. uh, Street of Dreams Street of Dreams oh, goes, yeah, is one great of the best song yeah it just goes over huge when you do it and then of course White Snake you can't miss you just yeah just like the list just goes like this what's up what was that great song on the purple album that joe lynn turner did the one album he did the the single oh that's uh king of dreams yeah i love that song oh it's great i just told the guys the other day i said we got to learn this song and you go i said joe i told him i said joe lynn joined you know deep purple for an album they go he did i go yeah he wasn't just in rainbow he came out and king of dreams is a great song i just i happened to see the video the other day and i was going wow this is a great song you know i love that song and it's so i mean it sounds like purple but it sounds like rainbow too of course it's going to though right yeah it's great yeah that's a great one but i mean getting getting back to house of lords again uh mistress of the dark it kind of reminded me of something off of perfect strangers yeah it's it's it, it's it's just you know we we brought in um, Mark Mangold uh, uh, James James told me about like before we had started I guess James had contacted him um, or somehow they made a connection yeah and uh, they they were you know they started exchanging ideas and you know James uh, wanted to we've always had keyboards in all the albums but. We wanted to go even, you know, deeper into this record. We wanted to make it even more. Um, and, and you got to watch it with things like that too. You can't, you know, uh, you know, because you you always have the the diehard fans and they're you know, uh, oh, you know, there's no replacing Greg Jafria, you know, and stuff like that, you know. So you got to really you got to do things very delicate delicately uh, and with respect, you know. You don't just go in and and um, throw things at people. But the concept of bringing more keyboards into back into the sound uh, seems to have gone over great. Yeah. Uh, Mistress was one, uh, was a song I really enjoyed playing on. Uh, there's so many of them. Uh, I remember learning the, uh, uh, the video track house of the Lords and that that one was just a blast. I mean, when he started with that whole concept thing, and then they had when I got the um, when I got the the track, let's just say for me to to play to, um, you know, I don't there wasn't I don't think there was real drums on it. There was you know just a, a demo of computer drums possibly, and uh, 
and when the um when the song started, you know, there's that whole keyboard intro, and then it, all of a sudden it starts building. And when the whole band comes in doing that, that uh, you know, that uh, tr- trot, that gallop, yeah. dun, 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 it's like, wow. I said, this is good. And, and I, I started, you know, realizing that, um, you know, as a writer, uh, like I am, uh, you really got to take input from other people. You can't go into a band. Uh, you can't go into a situ- situation and go, well, if you don't use my songs, I don't, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to be a part of this. You know, it's my songs have to be on here. It, it can't be like that. You got to do, you got, you got to think what is best for the album. Yeah. You know, uh, I've had, I've written almost every song with the exception of two or three on every house of Lords record. Sometimes only, you know, only with the exception of one, you know, but basically, you know, so I've had my, my share of writing, you know, and all the bonus tracks and everything, you know, so it's the Japanese bonus tracks. Which are uh, so a given, right? The Japanese bonus track is a gift. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be that you're going to have to do it. Yeah, it is. It's a, uh, it's, uh, it's changed though, you know, really? Uh, it, yeah. It's, it's kind of strange, you know, usually, um, uh, usually, a Japanese bonus track used to be um, another song, right. a whole different song. Now, uh, basically, what's what's kind of required is an acoustic version of one of the songs that's uh-huh. already on the record. Okay, like another, it could be a, yeah. an acoustic guitar or an acoustic piano, just a, 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 a different version of what's on there, and it's so cool. Um, in fact, we did one for the autograph album. We have we have a song. Uh, a full band on the autograph album called Take Me Higher. And it's it's like a mid-tempo ballad, you know, uh, sort of thing. But uh, Simon plays really good keyboards, too. So we did a whole keyboard version of that for the Japanese release. And it, you know. That's cool. Yeah, it came out you, great. You know what's funny about some of those Japanese going back to the day, back in the day to the early 90s? There was a song on the first Hardline album. Yeah, on Double Eclipse that only ended up on the Japanese copy, and it should have been on the North American because it's one of the best songs on the album. And then uh, the second Lynch Mob, there's two songs on that one that were just phenomenal that could have been on the album, and all, Japan only got to hear them. Yeah, I had a, um, I I've had a, a, a diehard fan who collects, you know, gets all this stuff. Yeah, and I remember him sending me. I, I probably if I go back in my emails far enough, he actually sent me every bonus track off of the Japanese releases from House of Lords. Cool. So yeah, he had had them. Uh, okay, we had a really good one on the on the um, on the very first record. Uh, the song was called "Gone." It was like a a real rocking thing that I wrote, uh, and I really wanted it on the. Um, on the album itself, but it, it only made it as the Japanese bonus track. But man, I, it, it was it was so cool. What you know, real like a, almost like a Van Halen thing. That's oh, not, cool. maybe that's why it was more like a Van Halen, uh, that type of thing. You know, and, you, and it's funny because the streaming sites even most of the time they don't include those bonus tracks either because they probably don't have the licensing for them. But right, it'd be awesome if they did, even just for the fans to get to hear this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, or, it, it would be. Or it would be. It would cool. be, you know. It would be it's, cool. it's great. I think they should put out a whole record, grab was, all the bonus tracks. And, that's what and, I was uh, just going to say. 
they could do a whole release on that. They could they could do a whole nother record. Uh, you know, House of Lords, ja- uh, Japanese bonus tracks. Yeah, it, it would sell. Oh, I'd buy it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Guy, you There'd know what I mean? Record right there because it, it, I it it's kind of crazy because you're like you're being denied music by the band almost you know what i mean if you're yeah. a fan of that band you're being denied what <laughs> what technically should be yours because you're a fan <laughs> right? yeah i i hear you i hear you it's funny it is funny yeah. and and i mean i get the logistics of the whole thing but sometimes it just and, and when you actually hear those songs and you're like what the hell why was this not on the north american release and you it kind of it's kind of funny right yeah it is so, um, I was good, actually House of the Lord, and which you just mentioned. It's interesting because I mean, it's kind of in the vein of the name of the band, obviously. Yeah, that threw me when he sent me the track. You know, yeah. When I got the when I got the email, and he said, "This is House House of the Lords, House of the Lord." Yeah, I said. What what is I said? What the hell is James talking about here? I go what the name of the band? I don't understand. And then I, I and then when I finally opened the email and and realized that there was a song called House of the Lord, I said, Oh, okay, I get what you're you know what you're you're trying to tell me here. It wasn't making any sense at first, you know. Well, I was trying to figure it out because it actually, to me, the chorus seems more love related. But I guess if he was if he's talking in terms of faith, I guess that could be love too. So I was like, I'm kind of scratching my head. I'm like, I wonder what he's I wonder what he means there. I'm gonna have to dive into it a little bit more to kind of get the concept of what he was going for. Yeah, he he'd be the one to. Uh to uh, ask about that stuff uh, as far as uh, uh, lyrics, uh, what, the, what the meanings of a lot of that stuff are. I, uh, I had a hard enough time learning the songs because I didn't write them. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Now, now, I mean, getting to Roll With, Thun- Roll With Thunder, great track. Uh, yeah, love thanks. That, yeah. that opening riff with the guitar and the keyboards is really cool. Now that's I, that's an old track, you know that I that I wrote that 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 track, um, you know every House of Lords record I write about, um, uh, you know, f- thirteen to sometimes seventeen, you know, sixteen, seventeen songs for every record. Yeah, and then you know then they you know he goes through them and picks the ones he wants. Well, this was an extra track from maybe three records ago wow and you know when james um when uh, uh actually taking back taking my heart back too that's another one that was from the saints uh uh saint of the lost soul record i believe or or maybe the last one um when uh when james you know came to me and says jimmy uh, we w- let's start uh writing you know new material for the the new record um I said, okay, no problem. I got lots of ideas. But first, I said, I want you to revisit a few tunes. Because what happens with James, and this is very, I'm sure this is very typical of um, people that are, you know, lyricists and, uh, you know, people that, you know, they get, they find the songs they want and they're really, you know, and they get overwhelmed. Um, I, I found that if I send... Because of the fact that I, I write songs pretty fast. Yeah. Um, if we sent James uh, too many songs, like 
uh, a couple of them might get overlooked. In other words, he would give a quick listen, but then go to the other one, uh, something that caught his ear instantly, but not really give the other ones a, a fair shot. And then they'd sit there, you know? So uh, basically what we had to do is I, I told him to like, you know, let's, let's revisit this, you know, let's go back and, you know, give it a, uh, give these a listen. And there was, um, you know, like three of them that he absolutely, absolutely loved. He actually finished. Uh, I wrote some uh, new ones here. Uh, I was telling you prior that, uh, you know, I never had my own recording studio before. Right. I never, I, all the years that I've been writing music, I never had to do it before because BJ, uh, BJ Sampo, who, who was in the band forever, now with Dokken, uh, lived, you know, uh, you know, five, seven minutes from me here. So I would just, he had the Pro Tools. I would go to his house, I'd have the song, and I'd say, hey, what do you think it is? I'd play it for him. He might change a part or just, uh, you know, say, oh, it's good the way it is, or he'd tell me it sucks. Let's, you know, what else you got, you know? So uh, we would record it. And then he played the drums and boom, we sent it off to James and then James would do what he wants to. And that's how we did it forever. And then uh, it got to the point between, uh, you know, all the, these projects I was getting, the new autograph album, uh, House of Lords record, this other thing. I said, damn, you know, I'm, I guess I'm going to have to get my own recording studio. I never needed it before. So I, I got I did it and I put myself into the quickest learning curve you could ever imagine, man. I, I, bet. I, I was on this thing. And I, I tell you, when I tell you that I got this whole studio loaded into my computer uh, Black Friday of uh, 2021, I have over 150 songs in my computer already that I've written. Wow, man, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're, you're talking like I've had so much music. They come to me all the time. Like, you know, even today I recorded some that I just wrote this morning. And I, I, I worked on it, worked it out. Then all of a sudden I complete it. Boom. Okay. I, I want to get it down. You know, it's cool. So you must play all day. I do play all day. Yeah. I, well, I, uh, when I'm not walking, I'm playing. You're yeah, playing. I, yeah. I do. I do music full time. You know, it's either like I'm doing uh, projects for somebody or, uh, you know, everything I do is musically related. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of walking, but I got to <laughs> tell you when I'm walking, I'm I'm thinking even though I'm I'm thinking of songs yeah like um, I have uh, melodies and possible lyric ideas even though I'm not a lyricist I but I have a, a few ideas coming in my head so I grab my phone and I will record them on my phone just so I don't forget them while I'm walking and then I uh, whoever the song is for. Uh, I'll present these couple ideas and I'll say well you know here's here's a title possibly a working title i came up with and you know i kind of sang it like this um and uh you know and sometimes that really works out well they go hey that's that's a good idea you know i give them a starting point anyway yeah. you know that's amazing that's great and, yeah and getting back to roll with thunder the backgrounds going into the chorus i was like that kind of has a Def leopard vibe to it just how those yeah. how they brought those vocals out it sounds really cool yeah, it was a little I bit different. How, yeah, I also liked how they did the uh, uh, the chant in there. I, I, you know, the roll like thunder. You know, that's kind of they had that in there. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it, it. I, I wasn't expecting that, so I was. Uh, hey, I said, wow, that's very cool. I like. That's one of my favorite parts with with uh, 
uh, when in, in the writing process with any band. Uh, because of the fact that I'm not a, a, a lyricist, I like sending out the music that I write. And then I like hearing what comes back with the with it's sung, with the harmonies and all yeah. the lyrics. That's that's one of the biggest joys to me um, of, of writing. Uh, I had somebody ask me the other day, they said, has anybody ever given you lyrics? And then you've written music to lyrics. Uh, that That's only happened like uh, one other time. And honestly, it's very difficult for me to do that. Because a lot of times when uh, somebody presents me with lyrics, um, they're not structured the way a song would be. That's right. Yeah. Uh, a song. Yeah. A song is a verse, you know, usually a verse, usually a bridge and then a chorus. Sometimes it just goes verse to chorus. Um, but sometimes when people write lyrics out in advance, they write it in the form of a poem almost. So, you know, uh, there's certain things that aren't there, like, you know, like certain rhyming things and, and things that have to be sectioned off. Yeah. So it's Another harder words, to put it to the song. Yeah. It's harder for me to try to put music to somebody else's lyrics. I'd rather have give somebody, uh, something then they could break apart what they're trying to say over, uh, what I give them for a verse. Yeah. I'm, I mean, when I, for me, as when I write, I usually will come up with my guitar riffs, the, yeah. the basis of everything I've got. And then I won't, and then I'll, like, I'll say I'll record it on my Zoom or on my phone or something like that. And then I'll play it back and listen to, I'm not playing it, I'm listening to what I've got. And then I'm writing the melodies and the words over top of what I have. And right. I, and I find that formula for me works really well now. Yeah. Where, where before I used to sit with a guitar and try and come up with stuff. Now I find that if I've got a, a good riff or a good song, then I build it and then go from there. Oh, yeah. I, you know, when I'm, I play the song, like I, I send every, like when I write a tune, I'll uh, email it, you know, to me. So I have everything that I've written all in emails. And like every time I have a new song while I'm doing my walk, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll pop, I'll pop it on at, at uh, four in the morning when I'm walking through parking lots and stuff and, and I'm listening and I'm singing, you know, melodies in my head, you know, uh, or sometimes out loud, but you know, who's, who's awake at that time anyway, to hear me doing it. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm running these ideas and it, it just, it's good because as opposed to what you said, I used to, before I had the studio, I used to record just my guitar on my phone. On my like when I had an idea, I would record uh, my guitar and put the i my iPhone up to my amplifier, yep, and just record what I was working on. It might do a verse, uh, a bridge, and a chorus, and then that would be it. Um, now, when I have the whole complete song with drums, bass, and everything going, a solo, you know, the whole that's amazing. I'm, I'm I'm creating to uh, an entire track. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's the way to do it. Well, it and really that's, is. You, yeah, that seems feasible because I mean, you're with the whole band going, you're able to do the lyrics. It's even easier to get the melodies and the lyrics because you know, you have that whole basis, right? Yeah. Plus you got the, uh, you know, having uh, a drum beat behind you as opposed to, you know, like when you're playing guitar, you know, just by yourself uh, against, uh, you know, into a, 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 you know, into your phone or whatever, just to get an idea down, you know, your your timing is wavering a little bit. You might be 
you might slow one part down, speed another part up, but you don't realize it because you're not playing to a, uh, the drums. Yeah. Once you once you're locked in, like I always uh, have the you know, uh, I have a very just simple two four beat with the hi hat set up for everything I do. I have a it's a drum template. I just use that. I I change the speed, and then I, I even though if I want to do something like something I was working on today, uh, I wanted to have the click track on with it because I was doing something kind of percussive. Yep. And even though the drums are going, it, it's a lot easier for me to hear that click, click, click. So I'm going, dun, 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 you know, uh, you know, trying to lock in with the click track. And um, that that really brings it all together because I do a lot of multi-layering. I do uh, I, I do one rhythm and then I copy that same rhythm. I do the exact same thing and then I, I pan them. You pan it. Yep. Then I'll do a, I'll do a third rhythm. Uh, uh, which will which will be different than the first two. Like the first two are identical. Then I do a third rhythm, maybe with high voicings, and then I'll add a fourth one in with some low uh, low things. And then by the time I combine all of these together, I got something that sounds like a, wall an orchestra sound. almost. Yeah, you know? it's amazing. Yeah, a wall of sound. It sounds like you know, boom. Well, it's funny because a couple years ago, I had read that Mutt Lang had made Duff Leppard. Uh, I think it was on Hysteria, on the song Hysteria, where yeah. he made them do one string at a time to make the chord ring. So I was like, I was like, I got to try that. So I did. I did. And it worked. I was like, oh my God. And you could tell it just had this ringing, you know, like it just rang out so nice. And I doubled it. So I did it. I did 12 tracks. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. I just, I wanted to try it. I wanted to see how it sounded. That's a lot. That's a, that's very time consuming. <laughs> it was, but it was so worth it. <laughs> and, I, and I have a buddy who's a musician, a musician friend of mine. He's a guitar player. And I, I told him what I did. And he goes, you're insane. <laughs> yeah. I'd say you're insane, but still. Let, see, you have patience for that. I could never, my, 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 the, the way that I play guitar, I, I don't have patience for anything. I just like. I go, okay, I got to do this, you know, I got to do this, you know, it's sometimes I'm not is, patient, but, I, but just with that, because I was just, I just, it was like an experiment, right? Yeah, of course. I wanted yeah, to see you wanted that, to try. Yeah, I just wanted to see how it would come out. And yeah. it was successful. You know, what my favorite thing to do is on the tracks, you're going to laugh. Uh, it has nothing to do with guitar playing or, or, uh, or, or, or the, you know, shredding out a solo or whatever. My favorite thing is laying the bass down. I love playing bass on my on my tracks it's like when i have all the rhythms done before i do the lead i put the bass on and while i'm playing that bass it just brings the whole song yep. in you get that the 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 low end yep. boom, 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 boom. It, it just makes the whole track i agree uh, with you 100 percent. It, it's it, it it really does i i say it, i say it all the time i go you know i tell my wife like oh my god i love playing bass you know, I love playing bass on these songs because it just makes the song. It makes a song. All of a sudden, you have this low end underneath, and you're playing right with the uh, the kick drum, and everything starts locking in. You know, that's why. You know, <laughs> I, I've I've always been one of these guys that uh, that like simple drummers and simple bass players. Yep. I'm I'm all about ACDC. You know, I'm uh, you know. Yep. I, I think ACDC is the greatest band ever because they just, it's a straight 2-4 beat and it's the bass and the drums of dun, 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 you know, you lock it in. And, and, you know, believe me, I appreciate all these guys that could, you know, 
that could play massive, you know, craziness all over the bass and stuff. And I, I, and I think it's amazing because some of them really know how to like really lock in a great groove. Like, oh, you know, like Billy Sheen's Billy amazing. Yeah. He's absolutely incredible. Yeah. You know, that guy could do anything besides having all the chops in the world. He lays down a groove like unbelievable. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've actually heard some guys um, that, that are very busy bass players that, you know, when, if the drum is, if drums are going and you got a busy bass player, there's no foundation to the band. The, you got to have a good, solid foundation to, to keep everything strong. You know, it's yeah. it, it just makes the whole song. Yeah, I mean, Billy plays where he has to play to. You know what I mean? Like he's just, he's a phenomenal bass player, but I mean, there's certain songs that that you listen to, like some Mr. Big stuff, that maybe is more of a straight ahead rock song where he's oh. just playing, right? Where he's yeah, not, yeah, he's he's not doing anything fancy. He's playing to the song. Yeah, and he's he's very, what I love about Billy's playing. He's aggressive. He yeah. is like super aggressive on the bass. He'll, you know, I I used to hear about when I was used to play in a band upstate New York when he was in Talis. Talis yeah. was a band over in Buffalo and stuff. And yeah. we used we used to play the same club that they played at. You know, this was before David Lee Roth and everything. Yeah. And every time I'd play up there, that's all. Uh, that's all I would hear about. Uh, when we played there, oh, you know, have you seen Billy Sheehan play yet? Have you seen him? Have you seen Talis? That's all I would hear about. I go, no, I gotta, well, I gotta see this guy play. You know, I mean, up here, and then all Talis. of a sudden he hit it. You know, exactly. Up here, Talis is very well known because they always used to come to Toronto and play. From, I mean, it's only two hours from Buffalo, right? So, so Talis is, I mean, Phil Nero, the one, the singer that they had, he was, he was a Canadian guy. He just, I think he passed away last year, but. Talis, you mentioned Talis. Most of a lot of the musicians here know Talis because they were playing in the clubs up here as well as down in Buffalo. Yeah, I I, uh, I never got up that far. I, I did get to play Montreal, and uh, boy, did I ever love playing Montreal. I loved it there. So you've never it been was, to Toronto? No, I never got. We were supposed to come to Toronto and uh, with House of Lords and the. Uh, and the uh, um, the show, uh, some, I think it was a weather issue oh. or something. Close. I think it was even supposed to be something with autograph when I first joined. And the, there was a weather issue that happened. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming to Toronto. I've always wanted to come to uh, Toronto. And um, but I mean, just for, you know, if, you know, just even getting to go to Montreal for a little bit. I know it's just across the border. Um, amazing I loved city. it there. Amazing, city. yeah, yeah. It was. I know. I, when I was there, it was. It was. It was. The city was so clean. I used to. Well, I couldn't believe it when I was playing there. I, I'd walk and there was a guy sweeping the streets at night. I'm going like they. They don't do this where I'm from. You know, this yeah. is amazing. This. They're keep this place beautiful is beautiful. City. Well, I mean, yeah. Toronto's Toronto's pretty close to the same. It's oh, very, good. It's very clean. Um. It's busy, but it's a big city, so of course it's going to be. But um, there's not a lot of clubs here for for hard rock anymore. I mean, there's a place called the Rock Pile that books a lot of the bands. Yeah, so that's where I was supposed to play at the Rock Pile. Yeah, that, unfortunately, that's not downtown. That's kind of in the west end of the city. So oh, okay. you'd get you'd get you'd come here and you go, "Where the hell am I? What is this?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? unless you got to go downtown because that's where that's what you really want to see, but. Well, hopefully, autograph comes up here. 
Yeah. Be awesome. Oh yeah. I want to, uh, I mean, Sullivan books, books up there. So, uh, I'm, uh, and I, I know we had something there. Uh, yeah. It, you know, anytime I'm, I'm possibly near you, uh, you're always welcome. You're my guest. I will always. be coming out to see you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. Um, yeah, because, and I haven't seen autograph with you playing with them because I believe I, I, we talked about this before. I seen them at M3 was at three years ago, 2019. So Steve was still yeah. in the band then, right? Yeah. Uh, that was his last gig. It was actually right. Yeah. Yeah. I took over right after, uh, right after that. And, um, uh, it's been, it's been, uh, with the exception of Randy passing away, uh, a few months back, uh, it's, it's been absolutely incredible. Um, so much, you know, I'm very proud and very honored to play with those guys. You know, it's just, uh, I got, I have a really good connection with them. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're more, they're more than just a band. They're like my, they're like brothers with me. Me and Randy were so close. I, I mean, we, we were like him, him and I were as more as bro, as much of a brother as you could possibly be. We we're best friends or talked. And when I was writing, uh, when this whole thing with frontiers came about, um, for that band, he was, when I, I, you know, I called him and said, Hey, <laughs> I might have something here. And, uh, he was like, he was like so thrilled. And, uh, you know, every time I wrote a song, I'd always send it in the group thing. And Randy just loved everything that I wrote. Absolutely loved it. He couldn't wait to play it. And when we did this album, um, he worked so hard on all of these songs that you, you wouldn't believe it. I, I, you know, I almost wonder if he knew something, I, you know, uh, was, was strange, you know, because he played probably the best I've ever heard him play in his life on this, uh, on this record. I mean, he's, he worked on it. He worked on every song. He, he loved every song. He was very proud of the record. And I think that's the most, uh, heartbreaking uh thing for me is that having uh having not having him here to see the record release because he loved it it was it was you know he was very very honored to be a part of it and very you know very proud of everything that this band did i yeah it, i remember when when i found out and i was like it was so quick it was like all of a sudden and you're like what the hell yeah it's it, it was it was it was instant it was weird you know um randy had a heart issue prior to me joining the band i remember uh, there was something uh, on facebook and stuff and um i think you know it, even though randy was you know still kicking ass on stage uh you know once you have uh something uh, you never you're never a hundred percent yeah. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're close, but you're never back a hundred percent when you, you know, having to go through all that. And, um, I remember a few times, uh, um, at the end of gigs, uh, Randy not feeling well, um, you know, sometimes being sick and everything. And, uh, so I was always concerned about him anyway. Um, but I'll tell you, I've never had more fun in my life. On, on stage with somebody because he him and i uh because simon's singing 
Yeah. Uh, and Randy, Randy and I did all the harmonies. All our harmonies are live. We always, you know, we worked very hard on the vocals. Yep. So Randy would come over to me all the time and we would be smiling, laughing, telling jokes. I mean, we, we would be doing everything. There's so many photos of him and I smiling ear to ear and laughing together on stage yeah uh yeah there's more photos of us doing that than not doing it <laughs> so amazing. it's it's pretty funny yeah we interacted great and you know uh that his 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 uh passing just really affected me uh bad it affected all the guys in the band i mean don't don't forget you know simon and mark uh have been in the band a decade now they've yeah. been they you know simon and mark have been the drummer vocalist you know simon's been this lead singer or a decade so, um, I mean, that's longer than the original autograph lasted. Yeah, that's you know? crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, it's, you know. Uh, so, th they were extremely close in Randy. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we honor him at every show. That's awesome. Um, we've had, uh, we've had uh, uh, our buddy uh, Steve Unger from Metal Church. He's been with Metal Church for 17 years, something like that. He came in uh to uh you know to fill in and uh you know take up uh, you know to help out when we needed because we had stuff that we were committed to right away that uh we couldn't get out of so he came in and uh did a great job uh he plays he plays good and solid wicked funny guy reminds me a lot of randy and he's got a good voice he hits all the high harmonies because randy always took the high harmonies and the vocals believe it or not, was more important than the bass playing because um, uh, it, you know, we're a, a definitely a vocal band. I'm not the, I'm not a lead singer by any means, but I have a good, um, yeah. I have a good harmony voice and, and I blend with Simon uh, and, you know, very, very well. So it's, uh, it, it's just great to be a part of uh, this lineup. I think it's amazing. And I was thinking about this today is the fact that, I mean, the lineup as it is now is more or less Autograph is a different band than it was in the 80s. Yeah. It's a totally different band. But the great thing is, is those songs are timeless. And it's great that you guys are out doing those songs and people are getting to still hear them. Because, I mean, those first three albums, I mean, I'm a big fan of them and love them. And... I just think it's, and you guys are and playing new music, which is fantastic too. But um, plus, they had you know they did they did an album uh, with uh, Randy and Steve to get off that, your house on. They had an EP right. and uh, yeah, yeah. So they did all this stuff prior. But on this on this record, like um, you know, when I joined the band, I told them uh, I made it you know very clear that I didn't want to just come into the band and. Um, you know, and and uh, just be the guy to play Turn Up the Radio. I mean, they could have got anybody to do that. You know, there's there's a zillion guitar players on on uh, YouTube. They could have got to just come in and copy, you know, stuff that Steve does. That's not what I wanted to do, uh, because because of the fact that I'm I'm older. I'm you know seasoned. I write. I wanted. I told him. I said, you know, I I write music. You know, I I, I want you to know. I mean, I'll I'll be more than happy to play you know whatever songs you want me to play but i want to bring something new to the band i want to show you know you know i want to show you something you know i want to bring uh, some new energy or something so they were all about it uh a matter of fact when i did join 
they said to me, they said, look, you have free reign to do whatever you want. Just play the turn up the radio solo. And I said, well, of course, you can't change that anyway. No. You would never change that solo. Yeah. So uh, um, every other solo, I think I do, uh, I do loud and clear. I do that one. Um, uh, you know, every other solo, though, I, I kind of altered, maybe took one little part of it. But, uh, you know, I like to play my own stuff. That's just the way I am. Yeah. But, you know, when I started right off the bat, when I joined, I, I sent Randy because um, I was communicating with him the most. I sent him some original ideas. Uh, I said, hey, I just want you to hear a couple of riffs that I wrote. And he, he was like floored right off the bat. He was just like, oh, my God, you know, you, this, this is this is great. I didn't realize that you were, you know, you wrote like this. And so uh, when it came time to doing a record, you know. Uh, once, once the word came out that we, you know, that we signed the frontiers and, you know, the deal was happening, we got to work like, boom, we, we worked so fast. Uh, Simon had some songs, uh, um, had a couple tracks already that were completed, uh, music and lyrics. So those are on there. And, um, and then I, I wrote, uh, music for all these other songs and, you know, Randy added some stuff in there, uh. You know, he likes he likes to add stops and stuff. I know he was really into, you know, little accent things. And Mark, the drummer, is a producer. So that's what he does for a living. So, um, yeah, he, he produces other projects and stuff. So uh, uh, that worked out very well that he was able to produce the record uh, and then also do amazing drums on top of it. So uh, we actually turned the record in, uh, you know, uh, I think a week ahead of time. You know, then we're wow. then our uh, which is unheard of. Usually, they're they're calling. You know that you know you're supposed to have it in now. You know, uh, you know. No, we were we a week ahead, and we gave two more extra tracks than we were supposed to give. Wow. And yeah. With that said, the name of the album, November eighteenth, beyond is beyond beyond. Yeah. yeah. Randy insane. loved it. I you know we were trying uh, coming up with uh, names. You know, coming up for names for records. It's very difficult because we're looking, we're looking at the titles of the song. Sometimes bands, you know, will will uh, use a title of a track that's on the record um, as the as the album name, and and uh, none of the uh, none of the tracks titles seemed to do you know say what we were trying to say. We were trying to say something different, you know. Uh, so beyond pretty much says it all. It's like. It says that, you know, that we honor, you know, the original uh, type of sound and everything. But we, we're also looking to, you know, we, we've moved we moved on and, and also have new, uh, uh, you know, different type of stuff. Yeah. You know, so we, you know, we want to we're just trying to create, keep everything fresh and new all the time. That's cool. I mean, the first single is This Ain't the Place I Want to Be. Yeah. It's a killer I dig song. It. It's so good. Yeah. Well. And, and that's a perfect example. When I when I um, when I came up with that track, uh, the music for it, I I purposely kept in mind um, I wanted to try and to bring in some of the old uh, autograph sound. In other words, so I, I I wanted to hit on that vibe a little bit uh, on that particular tune. So in other words, so I I figured, all right, well I'm going to start with this crazy. Uh, two-handed tapping thing right at the intro, the mul multiple finger tapping thing yeah. just to uh, to give it that little bit of a vibe, you know? And 
it, it would give it a little bit of a recognizable say, you know, and it's worked. It, it really has because every interview I do, I've done so far, people have mentioned that. They said, oh, it has kind of like that old vibe. I said, yeah, thank you. It was exactly what I, I was going I can't wait to hear for. that. I can't wait to yeah. hear it. That's awesome. I mean, I, I, I love Steve's playing. Steve was a, is a great player, and I love the stuff that he did on those albums. I mean, honestly, I think the third one's my favorite. I don't know why that is. I think I might have mentioned that to you before, loud and clear. Is I don't know why that one's my favorite, but I, I really like that album. It's it's strange, you know. We picking the songs to play live. Yeah, you know, people are funny. Um, uh, a lot of times, you know, even though uh, the crowds, you know, a lot of the audience we play for are familiar with some of the songs. It's like it's always just. You know, they're just they're just waiting for you know to turn up for turn up the radio. A lot of times, you know, it's it's kind of funny. Do you guys do but, blondes uh, and black cars? Yeah, I I love playing that song. I love that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one that one I really dig playing. Um, and and that's one of the only ones that people kind of really uh, remember a lot of times. Okay. But you know, we yeah. we go up and 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 we tear it up. We we just go up. We play them the way the way we play them. Which is a more uh, more guitar orientated, uh, heavier, and uh, and we have a blast. We just it's just a fun band. It's a fun bunch of guys, and and uh, we're very energetic on the stage. I mean, I, I'm, we're not. Although Simon still moves quite a bit, Simon can still drop to his rocks. knees and get back up. Hey, I can't. He, do that he rocks, anymore. man. He's so he's so awesome. Yeah, Simon is just amazing. He, he is he's an amazing front man. Um, I would have liked. I, I got to look him up. I, I haven't looked him up uh, when he was in jailhouse, just doing a, being a front man. I, I got to look up to see what he was like as a front man. I don't know if I've ever seen any footage. I think no, there videos. is some out there. I think yeah, there there's, is. there's some videos of jailhouse. But I, you know, it's funny just to see him. Uh, the things he's very uh, animated with guitar. Uh, uh, there, so many photos of him that are taking uh, that are taken are. Um, you know, there, there's some great poses that are captured, you know, uh, me, my hair, my I'm always playing. So my hair is in my face. It's very hard to get a, a clear shot of me. Sometimes right. Simon's got, you know, the arms up in the air and uh, on the knees and right, like he's got all these great rock shots all the time. I go, why can't I take a shot like that? You know, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, so no, good. but he's a great singer. I love his voice. I honestly, um, Simon has this very powerful um bluesy voice um and i love his range because he sings in this in this very uh a range he's extremely comfortable in but then again i saw him do um an acoustic show and he was he um you know for the monsters of the rock cruise they had this acoustic thing and he pulled out more than a feeling he's singing in boston and he's hitting all the the, uh -huh. the high notes and i'm going like I go, oh my God, you know, it, I was floored. I go, wow. I, I didn't know you could hit this, you know, because it's, it's, you know, I'm used to hearing him what he does here. You, you know? know what? I even going, going back to the jailhouse days, he, his voice was different than everybody else's. Yeah. Like he, he, that's, I always thought, I mean, I didn't hear jailhouse until years later, but I remember seeing them in metal edge and whatnot. And then the first time I heard his voice, I'm thinking, that voice kind of appealed. Like, it's hard to believe that Jailhouse didn't do better. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it was one of those. It was all timing. It got it, lost. Exactly. In the, yeah, and you know, it's that thing. It is, and I, and I think he could have. Also, Lords was in that in that oh, crunch. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Too late. They they came in. They came in uh, late. They had this thing, and then all of a sudden, uh, people started getting sick of it. And Nirvana comes in and crushed everybody. Crushed you know, it. it's like. Uh, um, it, it was just it was just time for a change, and unless you were a band like Poison, Motley Crue, uh, you know one of those bands that were massive, massive. Uh, it, all the other ones just kind of like you know got crunched a bit. I, and what I love about now is that all those bands, um, bands like that that were around that, and, you know, Bullet Boys and. Uh, you know, uh, and things like that. They're, you could stay all coming back with the, all these, these um, you know, 80s cruises and mods, yeah. you know, and these, these type things, these festivals. And that music has gotten huge again, you know. Uh, I love you it. You know, I, I'm, really good, I'm, I'm really good friends with Mark Slaughter. Like, we do a lot of shows with Slaughter. And I absolutely I love, love that dude. That guy. He is the best. He's awesome. Mark, Mark and I... Uh, Mark and I could talk on the phone for hours. I mean, the guy is the salt of the earth. That guy will sit and talk with you, and he's genuine. No attitude with that guy. No, he's he is not. He doesn't come across like a, a, a rock star or anything like that. He's a down to earth, unbelievable person, and and he's the kindest kindest man you'll ever talk to. And he's and he loves to talk gear. Yep. If you're if you're a guitar player. That was another thing that blew me away about uh, Mark Slaughter. Here I am all this time. I'm doing shows with him. There's Mark Slaughter up on stage, lead singer. Okay. He picks up a guitar. He He's starts killer. wailing on the guitar. Yeah. I had no idea he played guitar so good. I'm going, after he got done, I go, Mark, <laughs> I didn't know you played guitar like that. He goes, that was my main instrument. He says, I yeah. played guitar before I was, you know. Yeah, if you talk to him about like when he joined Vinnie Vincent, he goes, it was the weirdest thing because I had to go on stage without a guitar. And here I was all these years playing guitar and singing, and then I had to go up without a guitar. He said it was really weird. Yeah, and, of course. And, yeah, I, I can imagine. It, 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 probably, it probably took him a while to find his... Uh, his vibe, you know, exactly. That's a whole different thing, you know. Can you imagine, yeah, just having a guitar on you and standing there with just a microphone in front of you? You know, it's like crazy. <laughs> where do you go? <laughs> I know exactly. And I had done an interview with him on YouTube on this. I was I started this vinyl thing. Uh, it was nonstop vinyl rock talk, but I didn't I didn't really pursue it. I did a couple episodes, but Mark came on and. We spent an hour talking about uh, the Fear No Evil vinyl that was coming out, and he had all this really cool stuff from Stick It To You. He goes, here, he, he'd pull it out, and he'd go, here, check this out. It's like this was uh, a promo thing that Chrysalis Records put together. But after the interview, I spent an hour with him just talking guitars, and he was like, he'd like pull out these, he's like, hold on, I'll be right back. And he'd pull out a guitar, and he'd be like, check this out. And he had like a Vinnie Vincent prototype that he had, that he had gotten i can't remember where he got it from it was like vinnie's guitar and it was like you said he's just an awesome guy yeah you know one time he was uh he did a show at um you know one of the casinos here um and i you know i was there to see it it was in the arena part it was one of the, you know i think it was quite right uh stephen piercy and and mark and um i was in the front row you know of course right in the front row of that 
Uh, I never sit in the front row of anything, but that's where they happen to put me. And all you have is you, you have the bass spins, you know, because it's yeah. you're in a you're in the theater, so you're you're getting hammered by the bass. Um, but um, I, I when I came when as soon as I got home, my phone rings and Mark called me, and uh, he goes, Jimmy he goes. Uh, so what, what did you think? You know, how did it sound out there? You know, it's like, he's, it, it was just really cool. Really? You know, I, yeah, yeah. It was, I wasn't expecting that, you know, for him to call and is asking me what I thought of the, how it sounded. And I said, well, I said, Mark, you, you sounded amazing. Like you always do. But I said, it was extremely loud because I don't think it was anybody's fault. It's just all I was hearing was bass pins. Cause I was in front of the bass pins, you know, yeah. it's like, that's what I, I was getting rumbled to death, but uh, that's just me. I'm an I'm an old man, you know. So you know, a young kid could take that, but not at my age. You well, know? I, I went to I, I went to a club the other night uh, to see a band, and the band wasn't too bad. The like they were loud, and the bass bands were pumping, but it was like the music in between, and it was I had to go outside. It was killing me. <laughs> so yeah. I totally get it. Yeah, get it. You know, I'm. Uh, I'm going to be 65 coming up on my next birthday, and it's kind of like, you know, I can, I can only take so much sometimes, you know? <laughs> well, especially the bass, because it, it was it was a rock band that was playing. They were doing a lot of Canadian. It was kind of like a Canadian cover band type of thing. They did a, like, uh, are you familiar with Kim Mitchell? Yes. Yeah, so they did some Kim Mitchell and Sass Jordan, Atlanta Miles, a lot of Canadian. They did some Rush. Sass Jordan. Yes. Yeah, so they they did it. They're called Canada Rocks. So I went to see them. And uh, have you ever heard of the band Moxie? Uh, yes, I have heard of Moxie. So the guitar player Earl Johnson plays in this this uh, Canada oh, Rocks okay. thing. So he's a killer player. Like I really, and I said to him after, I said, "Are you a Blackmore fan?" Because I noticed that a lot of the stuff you were playing was very reminiscent of Blackmore's kind of style, right? So, anyways. But they were friggin' loud, and the bass was killing me. So, yeah. You know, and that, yeah. That, it is what it is. It's like, now I'm starting to feel older. <laughs> I never used yeah, to. Yeah, I, I used to love April Wine back in the day. I saw them a couple years ago, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, I think only a couple members. They were great. Really good. Yeah. Really good band. But um, I don't know a Any whole lot news about... Any news about uh, 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 the, any of the guys would rush, you know, Alex or, or Getty doing anything with well, anybody else? Just uh, Well, Alex just did an album with uh, Andy Curran, who played in Coney Hatch. I don't know if you're familiar with Coney yeah, Hatch. Yeah, I know Coney Hatch. Yeah, so Andy Curran did an album with Alex Lifeson. It came out about three, four months ago, and they have a female singer. It's very different. Oh, yeah? Um, I'll find out what it's called, and I'll uh, I'll let you know. So maybe you can look it up. And I want I'm just wondering if they would ever. I mean, you can't replace Neil Peart, but no. I mean, just but just to uh, I, they could honor. They could do like an honorary honorary thing. Yeah. Um I I heard that Dave Grohl came up and met with them. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's a huge Rush fan. Oh, and, sure. And, uh, yeah, I don't... It would be kind of cool if they did something, right? It, it would be... It would have to be an... It, you know, it would be an honor, honorary to Neil. You know, something like that where it's, you know, like... Uh, 
even if it's a one show thing, you know, kind of the way uh, they did the the Freddie Mercury tribute concert yeah. at Wembley, exactly. you know, back in the eighties. Yeah, you know, they had all that all was those amazing, people. extreme. Oh was, my god, I remember extreme and how awesome they were. Yeah, they yeah, were that incredible. Was, imagine being being that. Yeah, that was the, that was early for extreme. Yeah, too. imagine coming out walking out to that and going, "Holy shit!" I, I, I just saw Nuno the other day at the airport when we were playing the Monsters of the Mountain. I was gonna, I wanted to ask him about that. Uh, um, we used to play shows together because Nuno, uh, they're from Boston and uh, right, and Boston and Connecticut and and Hartford, you know, Hartford area right next, you know, right next to each other, uh, you know, a couple hour drive. So we would go there and open for Extreme. We had we had a guy that was uh, uh, managing the same same guy that was doing work for both bands. Oh, okay, so they would come and then they opened for us. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I always I always thought Nuno was a a, a, a superb guitar player. Yeah, just uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. He's he's just very very cool. I just mentioned him in an interview the other day. Someone asked me about something, I and I mentioned Nuno as one of someone. I think you'd get a charge out of that. <laughs> I was really surprised because I bought this that Kicks movie that came out a few years ago. And Nuno's in it, and he's like saying how much he loves Kicks, and I I would have never imagined that Nuno was this huge Kicks fan, because oh yeah, because of that vein of music isn't you know what Nuno does. But I was very surprised; it was really cool. Well, I mean, we do a lot of shows in Kicks, and I absolutely love them. I do too. I think they're gr- yeah, I think they're great. They're all we're all handled by the same agent, you right. know. Uh, but. Um, you know that goes to my same liking of uh, uh, you know being a big ACDC fan because everybody looks at me as a uh, you know like a, a just they think because I shred you know do that shredding style of guitar playing or whatever that's they call what that you listen to right yeah they think that I listen to that but a little a little do does anybody know that I can't stand instrumentals like I don't I I don't own I won't do an instrumental record and I don't even listen to it you know like even. Even someone that's is is incredible with someone like Steve Vai or something like that. I can't put on a record like that because it just I don't I don't it's just not my thing. I like to hear songs with singing and and every song that I write, you know, we're talking about writing. Yeah. Uh every song that I write has no more than a 30 second guitar solo, 40 at the max. Yep. But it's usually only 30 seconds of a guitar solo. You're in, you're out, you're back to the the bridge or the course, you know, it's like, that's, that's what it's about for me. I don't, I don't care about these long self-indulgent solos, you know, where, you know, here, look at, look, look, you know, you're trying to cram every single chop that you have into this, the song and then try to blow. Cause honestly, you're the audience that that appeals to is, is musicians, musicians, yeah. other guitar players and stuff. And that's, you know, I want I want to appeal to musicians and other guitar players, uh, and I do do that. But I don't have to do it in an instrumental. I, I could just do it in a nice short so- uh, solo, and um, you know, just the only instrumental album I can listen to is Joe Satriani, uh, "Surfing with the Alien," because. It, but I got to be honest, I'm with you because I'm the, with you on he that. wrote melodies. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, I like. I like Joe's. I like Joe's stuff. I don't know uh, Joe's instrumentals to me. Now it's, it's so funny you said that. I can't believe it because uh, Joe's instrumentals to me are more. Uh, 
uh, almost more rock songs. Like, right. you know, uh, they're not, uh, they're not super in mental or, no. you know, that's not, it, they're, they're more to the point, like just a regular rock song. And he's just kind of like ripping a, me- a, a melody over it. And that's what I really like about him. Yeah. Um, I, I really dig that about his stuff. I mean, look at just players like Ingve and stuff like that. They're just absolutely amazing. You can't, you, no one could ever uh, take anything away from that. Um, I just, you know, I purposely never went towards the neoclassical style yeah. uh, because uh, it's not something that it's not uh, it's not any water I want to tread on because you you automatically get uh, compared to Ingve. Now, no matter who you are, if you're, no matter so what true. guitar player and how good you play neoclassical guitar, Ingve was the guy that that brought it forward. You know, just like like Eddie was an innovator. Eddie came up with something. You know, he took the two-handed tapping thing. Uh, you know, the first time I ever heard two-handed tapping was Billy Gibbons uh, do it in Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers. He does this part. He pulls a note and then hits it with his middle finger. Um that was the first time I ever heard uh, a two-handed tapping thing. Then I saw Rick Derringer do it live. And I said, oh, wow, this guy's bringing a finger onto the fingerboard here. Then the next thing I know, uh, <laughs> you know the next thing I know, uh, here comes Eddie Van Halen, uh, you know, whipping out this, you know, amazing uh, eruption thing here. And, and when I heard eruption the first time, people were baffled. I knew... Exactly. I knew exactly what he was doing. I said, there's no way, because I already had started messing with the two-handed technique. I started doing the tapping thing because I, I saw Rick Derringer do it. Yeah. Uh, I saw him do it live. So I was able to figure out, you got okay, it, yeah. I've been enough. Yeah, so I was able to see how to do it. And then I said, when I heard that, that end piece where he's you know doing the um, arpeggio roll thing, I said, He's doing that with two hands. I will bet any, you know, there's no way that you would do that. I, it, I mean, you could do it with just sweeping arpeggios, but it wouldn't sound the same. So I learned it before anybody That's because awesome. as soon as I got the record, I concentrated mm-hmm. and I figured out the pattern and I played it live. I was in some band. I played just that section. I didn't have the whole solo down yet. Yeah. So I was doing a guitar solo. All of a sudden, I started doing, you know, the two-handed thing, and the people went so insane. They were they were lighting. I got cigarette lighters going. People going. <laughs> it was awesome, it man. was hysterical. You know, that's so cool. Yeah, it it was it, it was cool. You know, so my point is, you know, Eddie was an innovator. Yeah, and um, and then you know, and then. And then I always look at Ingve as an innovator because Ingve took something that Richie did. You know, Richie was, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't care what Ingve said. Ingve was, you know, influenced by Richie. I, I've heard a couple of in, uh, interviews where he said he wasn't, but he was. Just, you know, um, he, uh, but he took something, a style like that, and uh, and really and really capitalized on it. It was just absolutely uh, amazing what he did so you know you look at it you, you look at it like that and, and you say wow you know this guy you know no one could no one's gonna top especially Ingve when he first came out in the early 80s like that i mean that 
the guy was untouchable. Yeah. You know what, what he was playing. So it's just that when you, when you try to tread, uh, when you try to go into somebody else's frame of, uh, you know, style of playing, uh, even if you do it absolutely amazing, uh, you're always going to get looked at as doing something that, else. Doing something else like, yeah. is same thing. Even even the Stevie Ray Vaughan guys got it. Like when Stevie when the blue when the shred thing went out for a while and and the the, the Texas style blues guitar thing came on. Stevie Ray Vaughan, all these all these guys started jumping on the Stevie Ray Vaughan Texas shuffle type of playing. You know the down and down. You know. Uh, going back and forth and getting the Fender, tw- uh, the Fender uh, Super Reavers, and yeah. uh, you know, trying to cop that sound with the Strat and everything. Um, it, it, they all did it great, but it was still, oh, the, you know, guys got sounded like Stevie Ray, you know, or something. So it's, you, you, yeah, pretty much. What what I purposely have always done with my playing is, I I always stayed away from copying anybody. I will be influenced by somebody like I'll take a, a, a little something that I hear. Like if I hear a, a lick that Ingbe did and I like that lick, I won't sit and copy the lick. I'll try to create something of my own that's similar to it. But then I can at least say, oh, that's not Ingbe's. I made this up on my, you know, I made yeah. up my own. A whole same type of pattern, but maybe a little different, you know, you know, pick it a little different. I think that's more, f- I mean, in terms of guitar playing is... It, uh, I get a better kick out of trying to come up with my own licks rather than trying to learn someone else's licks. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm with you 100. I don't waste my time. I, you know, it's, it's like, like this is the way I play. This is my style. This is me. This is not somebody else, right? Yeah. I mean, I tell you know, you know, back when we were kids and we were trying to learn things, you know. Uh, uh, well, I mean, back when I was a kid, I don't know how old you are, but there was no such thing as a computer or, or anything like that. And when I, I wanted to try and learn, yeah, when I wanted to try and learn something, I had to, I kept putting the, rec- the, the needle on the record back. And then I, I actually had a speed 16 where I'd put it on 16 to try and get it, try to figure out the pattern, even though it wasn't in the same key. Yeah. But you know, when I was doing that, it felt it sounded like the the record was warped, like bleh, 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 you know, like that. I'm trying to learn a riff that Blackmore is doing with it on you know slow down like that, like it, even something like are, are you familiar with um, with uh, I'm Going Home by Ten Years After off the uh, Woods yeah. you know from yep. the Woodstock album? Yeah. Yep. So to me, listening to Alvin Lee play I'm Going uh, I'm Going Home off that Woodstock record was one of the greatest things I ever heard in my life. And, you know, you, you, you have Jimi Hendrix doing the Star Spangled Banner and and all these other great things. But Alvin Lee, to me, that was from that Woodstock performance was incredible. I, I loved Santana. Uh, Car- Carlos was incredible. Alvin Lee and, and Sly and the Family Stone kicked right. ass. Like, yeah. they, they kicked ever-loving ass at Woodstock, man. And, uh, you know, so... There's just something to be said about, you know, you always have your roots and and you try to learn, you know, get influenced by that. But the one thing you don't want to do, and the only reason I'm saying this because I get asked this a a lot. They say, what what can you give advice going to give young guitar players? I always say, don't don't copy anybody. Don't waste your time. Don't sit and try to learn uh, Eric Johnson's Cliffs of Dover note for note. You know, Uh, listen to it. 
and try to grab a couple riffs from it. But, you know, uh, you've got to create your own style if you want to be somebody. You, you know, you could, you could play all these guys in the world. You could play John Sykes. You could play Richie. You could play, you know, Ingve. Uh, uh, Whatever you want to do, you can play note for note. It's all there on the internet. There's a thousand guys, a million guys on the internet that will teach you how to play all this stuff note for note. And they're all over the place. But um, the the thing that you want to do is just you want to try to create your own thing. Yeah. You know, become your own player. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was funny. You were mentioning Ingve, And we're going back to the Beyond Purple thing would... would Joe Lynn Turner, that album he did with Ingve, would that constitute Odyssey? What's that? Was it Odyssey? Yes, Odyssey. Yeah, would that constitute yeah. playing in Beyond Purple? Like if you did Heaven Tonight, would people would that be too far out? Oh, I, yeah, that would be that would be it, uh, that would be something taking taking that one song because that is so uh, you know that is so AOR you know that's that yeah. that type of song you know it's. Uh, I, I love that song. I do too. I really. I think. Yeah. It's, I think it's one of. I mean. I think it's one of my favorite Ingve songs. I just. I always thought it, is. it was such a great you know, song because it's because he took it. He took the time to, uh, uh, to make almost like a, a hit song. It, yeah. it seems like you know you you listen to all uh, all the other stuff that's very musical and very cool that he does, but it's almost like when he wrote that song, uh, you know. Well, I, I need a hit song. I yeah. need to have some radio airplay and, here. And it got, I mean, it got video play. And I, I remember oh, when yeah. it came out and thinking, oh, man, I I mean, I, I still that listen to that album. That was after his accident. That was right after the that's car accident. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's. I mean, there's a few songs on Trilogy that, you know, Mark Bowles was singing on that album that, that were commercial enough. Like, uh, You Don't Remember, I'll Never Forget. And, oh, yeah. It's a great one. Yeah, and liar. There's, I mean, there's some good songs on that, but "Heaven Tonight" was a was a killer song. Yeah, I I um, I love uh, I love a lot of stuff uh, Jeff Scott Soto did too. I yeah. you know, he's a great great singer. Amazing, you know? love his yeah. love love his voice. He's got he's got some great stories. I just I just did an interview with uh, um, with Ron Keel. Uh, the other day and uh, awesome. yeah I, I love Ron he's he's great and I, I said to him I go I want I, I said I, I wonder if is is one of the questions that everybody I said I was thinking I said what is one question I said this to him is what is one question that a lot of people might ask Ron Keel and and uh, and I said what was it like to play with Ingbe and and he kind of he kind of chuckled you know because it's like Everybody has their Ingbe stories, you know. It's it's pretty funny. I'll tell you my Ingbe story. My my Ingbe story was just so ridiculous. This is like you know, right as he he went out on his own, he quit Alcatraz. He had already made his mark, and he was came out and did his first solo record or something. He's playing at a place, the the Agora Ballroom. It was a big venue here in Connecticut, and I was there, and uh, I was up on a balcony. They had a balcony walk, and Ingbe comes up. And uh, someone from the club brings him over. He says, uh, hey, hey, Ingve, I want you to meet. This is Jimmy Bell. He's a, he's a really good guitar player from this area. Ingve looks at me and says, terrific. <laughs> that was it. Terrific. I, <laughs> I kind of like, it was like, I, I was laughing so hard after that. I said, okay, 
I, I got, you know, everything that I'm hearing about this guy is, is, is maybe true. But, well, I'm, you know. I'm going to tell you. So my buddy I mentioned um, earlier, he, his, he was in a band called Slick Toxic. And um, they did fairly well up here in Canada. But they toured with Ingve down in the States on their first album. And so Kevin asked me when I was writing for Sleaze Rocks, if I would help him write his autobiography because he wants to put it out. We never, we haven't finished it yet, believe it or not. Right. But we have a whole chapter about Ingve, And, and the, the caption in the book is the title is who the, who the hell is Lars Lannerbach? Because that's Ingve's real name. And then we go, right. we go into these Ingve stories and he had a ton of Ingve stories of being on the road with Ingve, And the, it's pretty funny stuff actually. Yeah. I can imagine. I I hear, I hear all kinds of uh, horror stories and stuff. You know, you you got to believe half of half of the thing. Unless it's unless it's like your friend actually being on the road. Yeah. Uh, half the things are blown out of proportion, like everything else is on social media. You could you you know you have to really you you don't you don't know what to believe. Uh, you know, someone says something and then it. It's well. It, it changes. The more the more people that start doing saying things, it keeps escalating and escalating, and things start changing uh, all over the place. You know, so well, it's you funny. Just know. it's funny. Yeah. It's funny because in him and Ingve actually got along, and they used to ha- they would hang out periodically. So Kevin and I can't give away too much, but Kevin would be at the side of the stage. Well, Ingve was playing, and they'd be throwing picks at each other, and the rest of the guys in the band would freak out because they're like, "What are you doing, man? Like, we're gonna get kicked off the tour." Wow! Yeah! Wow! Yeah! So that's funny. Uh, yeah, it was funny. There's a, there's a lot of really good stuff in it, but I don't want to give it away because we're eventually gonna f- hopefully finish this book. So yeah, and I'll, and I'll no, send, no, it's... and I'll send you a copy. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. I'd love to. I'd love to see it for sure. Yeah, it's but, uh, it's good. I mean, it tells the story of their band too, and the, I mean they they did fairly well up here in Canada, so which was cool. Yeah, I'll tell you, mate. You know, back in back, I'm, I'm sure. Did we talk about the Aussie thing back in the yes, in the first yes, thing? we did. Yeah, we yeah. did. I, yeah. Zach was Zach was always cool to me when uh, even after that whole thing. I uh, after. After the whole ordeal went down between the uh, where it was, you know, between him and I, uh, you know, every time Ozzy came around, uh, whatever, I'd get to see Zach and we would, you know, we would talk and hang out. Uh, after, after a while, he went to, uh, he did a, when he was in Black Label, the early part of Black Label, um, he was at a, a signing at a music store and he was, he had, he had beers. It, it was, you know, he had beers on the table. He was. He was drinking. The line was pretty long. I waited to the very end. And I had just done a record with David Wayne from Metal Church. I had just cool. did a solo record. I, I wrote the whole thing for him. And um, so I go up. I go, hey, Zach, how you doing? And I said, uh, I said, I'm Jimmy Bell. He, he knows who I am, but he it didn't register. He didn't hear me too well. Yeah. And he says, oh, what are you doing, man? And I said, oh, I just, you know, got done doing this metal church thing. And he, he took a, he sat back in his chair and then he put his hands up, like, you know, put his fingers up in the air, like he was thinking. 
And he goes, Jimmy? And I, I said, yeah, I just told you my name. He goes, dude, he stood up and he goes, get over here. He stood, and this is when he was, he was really, really jacked, like yeah. really working out with weight. He punched me in the chest so hard I couldn't <laughs> breathe. Come on, boom. He whacked me in the chest. Come on, hit me, hit me. You know, I was like, oh, my wow. God. <laughs> yeah, funny. But uh, oh, the road stories, the, the stories so cool. that, yeah, that's it's cool. always good. Well, at least, I mean, there was no, I mean, you were up against him for the job, right? Yeah. It, was at it, that got down, it was down between him and I out of, yeah. out of all the players. Well, at least, I mean, at least you guys are good. And you know. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we we never. Zach, I I have um, there there's articles and uh, uh, one of them was in um, was a Metal Edge uh, magazine and uh, and something else in Circus where he's talking about me. And then uh, he even mentions uh, my ticking hand. He mentions me and Michael uh, Michael Badio right. um, uh, um, uh, in in this article, uh, comparing you know talking about our picking hands, uh, yeah. you know, or, or, you know, our picking technique uh, compared to what he does. So, um, you know, he's always had a, a good amount of respect for me, and uh, of course, the you know feelings mutual, one hundred percent. Great guy, yeah, funny. I, I mean, I do, I still listen to Norris for the Wicked a lot, and I it is a. I mean, there's some really good songs on it, and I really enjoyed his playing on that album. Yeah. You know, like, it was intense. There was some intense stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there was, I mean, Miracle Man, but I love Bloodbath and Paradise. I just thought that was, it was like, I remember when that came out and thinking, that's kind of like going the back to the Black Sabbath, you know, that kind of a little bit heavier, right? Yeah. Well, that's what... Th that's the whole thing when when i was working with geezer for a while and he came to me and asked me um if i you know because geezer was trying to do something this like heavy uh commercial type thing it wasn't it wasn't like black sabbathy you right. know uh um and then he asked me if i had a, a song that was similar uh you know kind of like a black sabbath thing and i just wrote master of insanity right i had just you know i just wrote the song uh and i had that title i just I had the title in my head, like I said. So I, you know, I played him the song. He loved it. Uh, I gave him the title. He loved the title. He wrote lyrics for that. And then uh, after that, you know, getting the phone calls saying the song's going to be on the record. But you're not getting the credit. Humanizer right? record. And, but you didn't and get credit, they, right? No, they dropped the ball. Sharon, uh, uh, Gloria, Jesus' wife, said, you're, she, it always starts off with great news and then bad news. She goes, Jimmy, I have I have great news for you. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, yeah. She goes, um, as you know, Ronnie Dio's back with Black Sabbath. And um, we're going to use your song, Master of Insanity, on the new record. And I'm going, yeah, you know, this is great. You know, she goes, well, we have one problem. Uh, you know, we can't give you songwriting credit. Because uh, Tony Iommi will never let a song from another guitar player on a Black Sabbath record. So we have to say Geezer wrote it. But uh, Geezer will put you in a special thanks. And when the tour is over, we'll pay you for the song. Oh. You know, what was I going to say? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, that's not good enough. I want, you know, I, well, I wasn't going to argue. So I just let it go. But um, did you get so, paid? No, hmm. never, never. That's unfortunate. 
Well, you know, my payment is this. I have a song that I wrote that Ronnie Dio sang on, and they play it note for note the way I wrote it. So uh, oh, that's pretty. They, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they that's, they that's just, cool. the only thing they did was add one little extra thing to the guitar solo section. But other than that's that, it. the song is. The, yeah. Other than that, the song is note for note from my demo that I that I have with Geezer, the demo with uh, uh, with Carl Sentence from Nazareth singing. Um, uh, matter of fact, it's on YouTube. You can you can hear my demo, and uh, it, it's a little faster. Yeah. than what they recorded but uh it's it's on there and um what was funny is you know i always had to live my life you know telling people that i wrote that song you know and i'm an honest guy so most of the time people believe me you know but if you're telling a total stranger oh i wrote this song that black sabbath used you know master of insanity some someone will go you're full of shit you know that's not true you know yeah but um finally uh ronnie dio put it in a book there was a, a, an autobiography uh, written about him or some, an inter- a book he was interviewed for. Oh, okay. And in the book, I actually have the page where it says that he would, they were talking about lyrics. And then Ronnie says, I had a, I had a major part in writing uh, many of the, uh, a lot of the lyrics. He says, in fact, the only lyrics I didn't write were uh, the lyrics for this song, Master of Insanity, which was written by Geezer Butler and guitarist Jimmy Bell. Oh, and on. is one of my favorite songs. And I went, Wow. I went, holy, I said, oh my God, Ronnie said it in, in print. I said, finally, it's out there in print that I wrote the song. That's I like, awesome. I, I'm yeah. just reading Ronnie's, uh, it's called Rainbow in the Dark, but it only goes up to, uh, I think, Sacred Heart. The book yeah, ends no, this there. Is, uh, this is, um, there's a lot of books out, but uh, I have the cover of it. I even have the page. Um, cool. it's in, it's in two different books, the same, the same thing. So it, it was really cool that he said that it was like, Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's you know? amazing. Yeah. Cause you, yeah. Th- there's your credit, right? I yeah. And he acknowledged yeah, I mean, it. Yeah. I mean, it, honestly, it's better than money yeah. to me. I mean, you know, I mean, who, who, how many people could say they have a song that, that they wrote that Ronnie James Dio is singing on, you know, not many. and not to mention that, you know, I get asked this all the time. And in, uh, in interviews, if you could, if you could perform uh, or uh, or co-write or something with some, with any artist, living or deceased, who would it be? And I always say Ronnie James Dio. I, I always say that if I had had the chance to play in Dio, I think I could have brought something really good in, into that band. I could have brought something with me yeah. to to that because I I was writing a lot of stuff in that in that vein for a while as well that would have been uh, cool. yeah i would have loved to have played with you know i saw him with doug aldridge and you know doug is phenomenal too there's an, another amazing. monster he's one of my one of my favorites too yeah i'm a big fan of doug aldridge yeah yeah great guy talked with him for a while on the cruise it's it's great when you get to do those things you get to chat with all these people yeah yeah i mean uh, there's so many great guitar players, right? Like from the era, there's so many of them. Yeah, when um, it's funny because for a while, you know, back in the '80s, there was a lot of great guitar players. Uh, like guitar players started in my area here. Um, I I started doing the shred thing. You know, I didn't even realize what I was doing because I I had developed my style from Johnny Winter, Richie Blackmore, and Al Di Miola. So, uh, and that was all 
before 80s. So I had started, you know, I was doing fast picking and all this other stuff. And I didn't know the term shred. I didn't even know what that was, you know, uh, until someone said, dude, you're shredding on the guitar. And I go, what the hell is that? You know, and then they, they were explaining <laughs> what that was. And um, but so I, I didn't really, uh, you know, know that's what I was doing. But when I came back to uh, Connecticut area from Canada, because I was living in Montreal for a while. Right. Um, I uh, I had developed this this style, and then I I was you know all these people started coming out to see what the hell I was doing, and uh, one of the guitar players that was really influenced by me, and he says it in all his interviews, was Chris and Pelletieri. So, That's Chris cool. is yeah. So Chris Chris gets asked all the time, like you know, uh, who was influences was Ingbe one of his big influences? He always says no, I was. I grew up in Connecticut. There was this guy, Jimmy Bell, that I learned how to do all this stuff from. He always gives me, you know, shout outs, which is so cool. Amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Great, great guy. But so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there there was this guitar thing going throughout the 80s. And then when the 90s came, it wasn't cool to play guitar solos anymore, but I kept playing them. That's when I got out of the rock thing for a while. And I told you I got into country Country. music, you know, playing Italian and everything. So. That's where my mind was all the way up to 1999, and then 1999 I got uh, contacted by this uh, by the lead singer of this German band called Thunderhead that was around, and uh, uh, they were doing another record, and uh, they wanted me and BJ to play. Uh, so uh, that's what got me back into playing. You know, I let my hair go gray and everything, <laughs> so I ended up dyeing my hair again and. Yeah. Uh, going out on tour and the first tour was with metal church we did a record on spv cool. thunderhead yeah. and then we went out with uh, metal church with david wayne uh rejoined the band then dave that's when david told me that he was only doing that one tour and he was doing a solo album that it asked me if i wanted to play guitar for it, write the album and then you know the rest is history just all that stuff i actually have um ronnie monroe coming on the show in a couple of weeks so yeah he's a good buddy yeah, he's a good friend of mine yeah He's, I'm matter of fact, he called me just the other day. Really, hey? Yeah, yeah. He, he lives he lives in Rhode Island. He's not too far from me. Okay. We chat a lot. Cool. I sent him some material. He likes, uh, you know, we talk all the time about possibly doing something. So I, you know, so for Ronnie, when I write, if I if I send him uh, some material, it's it's more on the heavier side. Yeah. Uh, you know, for like this this uh, girl singer that I'm I'm doing something for hers is a little more. Straight ahead rock, but also I'm a little bit of country vibe. Uh, Autograph is a straight, straight ahead rock and roll vibe. It, I, and House of Lords is the melodic rock, rock side. So at, I write to what the vocalist is. That's how I. That's how I judge. Like when I write a song, I say, okay, who's going to be singing the song, and 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 what what type of vibe would fit that person. That's amazing. That I mean, that's, that's a wide spectrum of styles. I, I think it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's fun to, uh, you know. I like to dabble in all kinds of stuff. You know, yeah. uh, the only the only uh, style of guitar playing that I never really uh, um, that I never dabbled in at all was classical because uh, it's a very um, you know a very uh, precise way of playing, and uh, you know with the finger. Not to mention, I've actually looked, but I, it's very difficult to find a left-handed classical guitar because oh, you know I'm left-handed. Is. Yeah, right. Yeah, I bet yeah. it is. 
Yeah, I mean, to want, have one with a, say, like a cutaway and a pickup and stuff, I don't know why they're, they're so difficult. I mean, they make a lot of a, uh, acoustic electrics uh, lefty uh, with the pickup and the cutaway, but uh, to find a classical guitar, it's very difficult. I don't know why. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, I thank you so much, man. That was, a, as usual, great conversation. Yeah, I love being I love being on your show, man. I, I'm sorry if I talk too much. I, we, you don't. I just go off. You don't. My mind goes in different I directions. Hey, listen, I'll tell you this. I've we, I've had on, on a bunch of interviews I've done. Seriously, I've had the 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 person interviewing me say, "Thank God that I don't have to pull stuff from you," because he says I can't tell you how many times we've had guests on the show and I ask them a question and it's like. You're, you're waiting for an answer and it's just like it's very difficult to get an answer out of somebody it's like they almost don't want to be there to doing it just for the hell of it you know because uh you know or i mean sometimes you'll get thrown interviews with artists that aren't used to you know like let's say a smaller label has a band and the artist may not be used to speaking like at, as much in an interview so t- right. sometimes it could be it is hard to pull stuff out or you're speaking to them and it's the interview goes by so quickly because they don't have a lot to say. Right. So, or, you know, these type of interviews are great. Yeah. Well, or the opposite when you're interviewing somebody really famous and they just are, you know, just (laughs) don't even feel like they're, it's like you're bothering them almost, you know, (laughs) you know, it's like, yeah. You know what? I have to be honest though. I, I haven't had a lot of like, I mean, I've had Dave Ellison on, and he was fantastic. Uh, I've had him like three times, and, and he's always great. But I haven't had anybody like a Nikki Six or somebody like that. And I always, I'd probably be worried because of what you say, because maybe they're not going to be interested, right? Yeah. It, well, it, it, and you got to really watch what you do because they those guys are so big, uh, they don't tolerate a lot of things. They, if they don't like your question or – yeah. You know, you know, it's just like, I'm not going to answer that, you know, and, it, you know, it kind of makes you feel weird at the same time. So they're. Yeah. And um, it kind of messes the vibe, right? Yeah. It, it, like, Matt, it kills the whole. Then, then, you, then you're nervous. You don't know what to ask the person, you know. Oh, God, my, you're, you're Now you're on pins and needles because exactly. you might have offended them or something, you know. Exactly. That's never happened, luckily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't have that type of voice. So yeah. you're good. No, that's true. You're, you're very unoffensive. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I try to be. Anyways, man. You should uh, interview Simon. Uh, Simon would love to uh, talk with you. Yes, yeah, Simon is, um, I've had him on before. I have had him. And uh, we're just working on logistics of him having uh, having him on again. Because Jody's, um, she asked me about it. So that's why, yeah. I didn't, that's why I didn't ask too many questions about the new autograph. Because I knew he's going to come on too. So I, I want it to be. A little bit different, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I went all over the place. I hit on the autograph a bit. I hit this. I hit. They were great. We, we, when we talk, we talk a lot about guitar stuff because we're guitar players anyway. Right. Yeah, which is fun. So, yeah, that's <laughs> that's more fun. You can you can talk the serious stuff with him. That's right. <laughs> okay, man. Well, thanks so much, and uh, my I, I am, pleasure. I am sure I would love to have you on again. Yeah, always. let's let's do it again. I love being on your show. It's yeah, always man. a pleasure, Tyson. Okay. Really. Okay, Jimmy. Well, have a great night. And uh, yeah, you too, my friend. Okay. I'll, I'll be I'll be thinking about this interview when I'm out walking at 4 a.m. tomorrow morning. Yeah. Wow. I'll still be in bed, but only for an okay, hour because I get up at five. <laughs> I get up at five, so we're we're all good. 
All right, buddy. Okay, you have man. a great night. You too, Jay. Right. Take, Take care. care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.